it's Wednesday, July seventeenth, twenty nineteen, and you're listening Hello. to Size Matters, episode twenty six. Da da da, Size Matters. Exclusive. Yeah, Size Matters, Matters, Matters. I'm your host, Kwandu Bashir. Joining me is Kenson Shimobi, co-host. Special effects master, master, master. Human, uh, do, uh, what was it? I can't figure out the word, the, the thing that makes the sound in the movies. Starts know. with a D. Yeah, that, that Dolph. It's not Dolby, Samuel? it's, uh. I don't know. Sound effects? No, there's a word for it, like, that's an old-timey word. Oh, gosh. I- uh, it's not dulcimer. I'm, no. I'm not thinking foley. <laughs> foley. It starts no with a D. Foley, just like you know. That, yeah, that it's great... right there. Defoley. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We'll and, and, and and that is our head on our podcast ombudsman. 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 Whatever you pronounce that word. <laughs> ombudsman. Uh, there we go. Um, ombudsman. Yes, that's me. Benny Tiger. Woo. Yes. Oh, that's Benny. So, Kenson, Ken, what is it? You, you've got like you've got like the '70s radio announcer where he doesn't allow Hello. any sound to stop. That's, what? That's the Malibu talking. This is my voice as a radio host. Hey, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so wee wee. Are you visiting Malibu? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm currently. I, I put it in a bottle and I'm drinking it. Oh, okay. See, I just decided to stay within my uh, wheelhouse, my comfort zone, and and stick within the drinking the state of Kentucky. Uh, yeah. to, uh, some bourbon. Oh my. Bourbon Panda. Bourbon Panda. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, wait. Are you the reason that there was like an entire like 80 million barrel or whatever the heck it was fire over there? Oh or something? gosh. Oh, no, unfortunately not. But That's yeah, that, that was sad. That I was, was sort, really sad. I was sort of thinking like, how do you put a whiskey Jim. fire out? It's nothing but wood and whiskey. You, you can't. Well, you, and, and like let a, it burn. A ton of it like spilled off. I mean, it spilled into the Kentucky River and then got into the Ohio from there. So there's like a... You know, it was close to an environmental disaster as well, which but, is sad too. But 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 Quan, you could have taken those ultra wide paws of yours and stomped out the fire. Where were you? That's, no, remember Firefox? That just makes things worse. Oh, okay. that's fair. I, I figured fair. the couple of couple months back, they had a couple of those buildings collapse. I figured that was Quan coming by and getting a drink. That's fair. Also, I thought since it's Firefox, your 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 beans would have been fireproof. But only if uh, only if. People remember to clear out my cache. Okay. You see, it's a double browsing history and animal (laughs) joke. It's it's a double on That's our show. That's that's a double pun, man. That's impressive. Exactly. Yes. I'm Um, I'm proud of you. So hopefully you won't be hearing too many of those because puns are awful. Everyone just is. But puns are amazing. You hearing me, Fox Fusion? You're listening? He's a red punda. Okay, no, but today's show, we are going to be talking about Giants mythology. mythology, yeah. Mm-hmm. Giant mythology. beasts, giant mythology. humans, giant whatevers. Megafauna, mega creatures, mega stuff. Well, and not it's... just Greek mythology, like Henson was said last time, but, you know, we yes, can go yes. into Norse and even biblical Biblical uh, mythology. Yeah, yeah, mythology. yeah. You, you, you got your Western world, you got your Eastern so, world. So, so podcast ombudsman, Benny. Yeah. Um. Did you uh, look at? I did a little bit of research into this, but did you uh, research and see what the earliest example of earliest Ooh. known example of giant in mythology what is? Oh, oh no, I didn't think about going chronologically. Uh, I, I was actually kind of I went down a path of trying to figure out. Okay, there's tons of human monster, uh, human giants, right? Yes, uh, both early Norse, early Greek. And that's boring. All of those, you know, it's like they they were like for many different 
groups, it was like the typical foil of the gods was, oh, the giants are attacking. Uh, well, and, and the ironic thing is one of the most well-known, at least to Western audiences, is Goliath uh, yes. in the Bible. And if you really look at the text, yeah. Goliath is about six and a half feet tall. Yeah, I'm about to say the like, dude was only like, yeah. We probably have listeners who are taller than him in real life. Well, and, and if you go into Rome and you go look at the statue of David, they made David like nine foot tall as a statue. I'm like, uh, guys, right, right. you're, you're missing hey, the man. point here. Hey, man, here's, here's a shout out to all my Goliaths out there. Mm. But but to back up to the earlier thing I, I was trying to chase down was, okay, let's talk about, you know, furry giants. Okay, are there things out there? Uh, you know, the Sphinx. one... The one that I mean, stuck Anubis. in my head as a kid was uh, Fenris. Uh, Fenris, yeah. Who, who, of course, he eats Odin and Ragnarok and all this other stuff. Yeah. And size is a, a, a interesting thing about things that are are not the world in Norse, Norse myth. But you, you brought up Anubis, of course, and you've got Sekhmet. Right. Uh, right. You know, giant and uh, gods. Uh, Bastet and stuff. Yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah, and stuff. But I, I, was, I was starting to realize... Man, it really is all about of like the attack of the fifty foot colossus. They're all I love it. They're all like uh, even Cyclops in Greek myth. Yeah. They're all humans, and it's right. uh, well, kind of yeah, if, if, if we're sticking with uh, like pre BC or yeah, I guess BC myths, a lot of them are. Mm-hmm. Well, you think about the whole. The, 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 it's a trope in writing of like, oh, there's a giant. I don't know. You can steal from. The Japanese anime, or you can steal from supposed Native American myths. Oh, it's a giant bear, so that's the god. Uh, there's mm-hmm. actually very little of that written down, or maybe I just yeah. missed it. So there's also a really, really. Uh, I mean, this 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 is a theme that goes back for any type of mythology. If it's a large thing, it's probably a god. Well, so, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, uh, but I mean, if, if you want big, like if, if you want like super epic size, the oh god, what was the name of the giant in Norse myth that that was when they killed him, his blood drowned all the other giants. Oh you gosh, know? I know what you're talking and, about. And they made the earth out of part of him. There's still leftovers, right. and it's like okay, that's big. That's awesome. Also, there's Atlas because Atlas was um, mm-hmm. uh, essentially holding up the world. Yeah. And it was like a well, literal. And, and sense, Atlas was just so. one of the titans, and you know, in, in right, the. Right. Greek mythology of, or I guess Atlas is the is Atlas the Romanized version, right? I believe so. Uh, Does he have a Greek equivalent? Uh, I I can't uh, remember. I don't remember honestly. that off the top of my head. Yeah, I should have put my my. Yeah, what's that book that everyone in high school had Edith to read? That's Hamilton's Edith Hamilton's summary of yeah. mythologies. Yeah. yeah. The other one that you <laughs> that you might have read that only passingly mentions giants, but if you're furry, you might like it. Is Ovid Metamorphosis? Uh, uh, Ovid was a Roman poet who. He was kind of writing the Greek poets. Have I already said this at one point on these podcasts? I don't believe so. And he was kind of like, you know, to the Romans, the Greek myths are like, uh, you know, daytime TV. It's junk. They didn't really believe it, but it was fun. So he would dress them up. And so Metamorphosis is just Ovid collecting all of the Greek transformation myths into one book. That's awesome. Thank you, Ovid. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, look, all the TF porn in one handy classical size. We appreciate it. That's amazing. Thank you. And he was was contemporaneous with Romans? Yeah, he was a Roman. So this was back when, like, there was, like, one copy of every book and not, like, mass production. Yeah, you can think of the Romans like to the Greeks kind of like we thought of, you know, having a fancy British butler. You had a Greek philosopher teach your kids because that was the, the upper crust thing to do to have culture. And, of course, they merrily robbed as much of Greek 
statuary, pottery, whatever that they could get. Well, I mean, that's what you do when you take over and assimilate a culture. You incorporate that into part. I mean, just like, you know, Americans have with native tradition and and all of that. It's the same thing. Oh, yeah. And you even see that in Egyptian mythos. Like at one point, I I guess I was asking Frang about, okay, there's there's the black Anubis that everyone knows, but there's the white Anubis. And I, uh, I forget, there's a separate name for him. But it's essentially the weaker kingdom up the river was essentially subsumed by the lower kingdom eventually. And and so their version of Anubis just kind of became a background character. And was it it was the lower kingdom that got consumed? Oh god, people are gonna kill I me on it was this. The other way around. My Egypt knowledge is rough. Yeah. It's whatever Well, because Nubia was down was further down Yeah, you're right, it was the you're upper right. kingdom. Hmm. It's upper kingdom took over lower. Yeah. Because the, the All river... of my Egyptian knowledge is based on the uh, Two thousand and, and whatever version of the the musical Aida, <laughs> the one with Elton John and and uh, Heather, uh, I, Heather I, Hadley. I, think, I haven't was, seen that, and I, I need to now. It's really, it was a really good. I, I mean, it's just it's just Broadway. It's not they didn't make a movie of it. So and actually, uh-huh. in some ways, of the Greek pantheon, Anubis is my favorite god, and not just because everyone draws him, but yeah. because he's the gate. You know, he's the lawyer that you have to convince you're supposed to go into heaven. They supposedly weigh your soul True. against the weight of a feather. Is that just mm-hmm. because Anubis looks like he? probably could fit in with being a pokemon is that why <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god I, mean, I see i see like a little bit of like lucario and, and like all of that stuff in there yeah so yeah, he could but yeah. I, I just love the fact that it, as you're going in the reason they bury you with a little bit of money or whatever is so you can bribe him it was just like mm-hmm. totally understood like yeah he's a lawyer yep, yep. but if you, if you flatter I mean, him he'll put his thumb on the scales if you like yeah. if you like you know grease his pockets you might get in school yeah, totally. Yeah. Bring some dog biscuits, you know? <laughs> so I love Anubis so much. He's one of my favorites when it comes to mythology, uh, creatures, gods, and macros, obviously. And every time I think of Anubis, I think of one picture that Rip Roar Rex did of Anubis, and it's one of my favorite macro pieces just ever. It's really? a classic. And I can I can uh, pull it up and we I'll can... Say, like, did you bring enough to share, Kenson? Uh, oh, yes, yeah. we can put it in the we can put it in the show notes for everyone. Oh, that would be. Um, what, what about with the host? The host got to see it too. For affinity is currently down, and yeah, I don't I know. have it on. Me, I know that's so. the problem is that we're recording while FA is down. So <laughs> no, yeah. you don't have it saved on your device. I'm just not, gonna, not on this device. Actually, I'm just going to point out there's a correlation with all of us drinking and for affinity is down. You know. Yeah, it's too many powers, it? too many things combining. There's got to be a balance. Why isn't the picture on macrophile.com? Oh, Benny. Benny. Well, I don't post other people's stuff. That's kind of frowned yeah, Benny. upon. Uh, okay. <laughs> Jeez, I guess that works. <laughs> Actually, I was trying to find one of the p- pictures we described last uh, episode to show you guys. And boy, I can't find the picture of the Kraken, which was also a mythical giant. Uh, yeah, to, yep. to so you so you're saying that, that him. no one, you weren't able to release the Kraken? No, oh my no, I was not. Unfortunately, I think the Kraken is on Bristol board in ink somewhere in a Fantastic. box in this house. Yeah. So, oh, so you packed away the Kraken, and now it's kind of yeah. stuck there with like your uh, twenty yearbooks from high school and college. It's stuck <laughs> in a Kraken somewhere. Aha, uh-huh, there's a pun. <laughs> has has anybody? Someone should try to make a Kraken character. Anyway, well, I yeah. bet there's somebody out there who has a species of. I, I would no. wager twenty dollars that there's somebody $20? who has that. Okay. You're on. Okay. I I, I'll go <laughs> you realize out that's something that like you're not going to be able to disprove because I know, I know. There's, you know, even if they they're out there, like even if you can't find any, you can't disprove a negative. Uh, after you'll, the you'll episode, just make one in premiere. After the episode, Kenson's going to be uploading one to you know FA. They go, haha, easy twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not if FA's well, still down. 
So <laughs> I, I, have, I have a theory here that it has nothing to do with it so ever with me drinking. Um, oh. But I'm going to bet the reason Anubis and Sekhmet are so popular is whereas a lot of giants in mythology are intentionally supposed to be monstrous and ugly and all these problems, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those two characters by default are kind of sexy. Anubis is a daddy, and mm-hmm. that's that's all you need. He he is it, so even in the good. earliest, like in, in the original artistic for uh, depiction mm-hmm. of Anubis, yeah. he, he, you consider it sexy. I'm pretty sure he's always been very charming or good looking or something he's like that. He's definitely drawn, if you're looking at the original artwork, he's definitely drawn regally. He's drawn royally regally. as opposed that's to right. drawn ugly. Like, who is, who's the crocodile that's the eater of the world? Oh, uh, gosh. Oh, and there's, uh, I think, is it Heather Bruton sells a print or a painting occasionally that is Anubis mm-hmm. that has the crocodile god there like he's a dog. Like he's cuddling yeah. them, and the dog's like, <laughs> it, it's Aww. it's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder so, if like, that's just because like art in the Egyptian days was still kind of primitive, and because basically like most depictions of Anubis is just sticking a dog head onto an Egyptian body, like the same kind of body you would see on on any other kind of Egyptian. It's just it has a dog head and it's also you know fifty feet tall or whatever. Everybody knows that the Egyptians were the first furries. Everybody knows this. Come uh, on, you got the Sphinx. They? You've got you've got the Sphinx. You've got you Anubis. Have, you've got you Bastet. Have, come on, you have pre-Christian mythos in India of Rakasha, which are you know basically werewolf tigers, who by yeah, the way were were depicted as giants, but they were universally evil. Just because they ate people doesn't mean they're bad. Come on, man, they're just hungry. You gotta feed them. That happens. It, it's just you, you know you got a large appetite and you got some wanderers. You're like okay, it's fine. And of course you, you get them. The... And suddenly you're evil. Yeah. Wh- what would you have that would be pre-classical giants? Could you could you beat Egypt? Uh, uh, well, I mean like, like um like it, the biblical the Torah of uh, uh, you know mentions Nephilim, I believe, which is Nephilim. Uh, oh yeah, there are the... half angel, half demon. There are half, half... those are the ones that that the yeah the translation on that is kind of disputed but they a bit wonky. they are believed to be kind of referencing giants i mean when um you know the, i think there's a scene in i'm not sure if it's the nephilim or something else but i believe it's in one of the in numbers or deuteronomy where one of the israelites <laughs> is referencing them and says something like they made us look like we were grasshoppers yeah mm-hmm. well and yeah. also there's you That's don't right. you don't have to go very far even in genesis it says the giants walked the earth the behemoths, yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think that's where the the translation, like some some translations, will go with it as giants, and some will say, yeah. oh, dinosaurs. Spirits. or dinosaurs. Is well, actually another it's funny you use the <laughs> it's funny you use the word you use the word behemoth because uh, that was another book I was looking for. I have a I have a small book of Christian devils. More yeah. like Babe Hemoth. Oh, whoa, no. And so they're, they're all apocryphal writings, and they're all secondary writings, you know, monks mm. in the 4th century figuring this stuff out. But right. Behemoth was a demon. It was a, a demon of unusual size. Uh, right. and, and that's where we, in Western language, tend to use the word from. Yep. Um, and then that also reminded me of uh, the good old classic good boy, Cerberus. But Cerberus the... isn't really a... A giant. I thought he was called. Yeah, he is. I thought he was called Terrell now. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> nice, nice. And I was gonna make a joke about that, but you beat me to it. Ah, uh, yay! So, but, but no, but, actually, uh, Cerberus, Cerberus, I was, Cerberus uh, was giant. He, he was guard to the underworld for the Greek myths, right? Yeah, for Hades, I think. Or... But uh, is he typically depicted as 
being larger than like a human? I, I, well, Disney's Hercules had him be huge, so that's what I'm going with. I, I think he was supposed to be like the. He was very, very large for a dog, like eye level. I think to so. Human. Well, yeah, but, large for a dog, but but not. But it's not like, like he direwolf was, size. It's not like he was running around like Clifford the Big Red Cerberus, you know. Oh please, I want him though. I just need to. I, I need a picture of Clifford with three heads now. Oh God. Okay. This I'm sure someone's done that too. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just imagining little golden book macro myth stuff now. I love you it. Know, I the, love it. Rogue, the pokey little puppy. <laughs> Rogue, oh boy, oh boy! Don't I, let him find you. You know, I guess I would be one of the three kittens that lost their mittens. Oh my god! Yeah, looking mm. at this uh, on the Wikipedia, <laughs> this pot that has uh, Her- depicts Hercules fighting Cerberus. Cerberus is the size of a normal dog. What really? Wow. Yeah. That's not much of a challenge, unless Cerberus has... I mean, he's... I mean, multiple heads is pretty scary, too. That's... Yeah, that's true. I mean, okay, so... And he also has, like, snakes, like, stuck to him, and... Well, there's... You know, this isn't isn't a, a... This isn't a... Like, practice tier. This is... This is a real challenge. So, for Greek big guys, wouldn't Orion win? That's fair. Yeah, Orion's... He's got a belt that's made of stars. Am I right? Yeah, I think that he supposedly went up the stars. Of course, all the gods ended up with stuff like, you know, the Milky Way is supposedly a squirt of milk from Hera's breast. That's not a small person. Wait, they don't teach that in school, do they? I I don't remember that part. (sighs) I went to a Christian high school, so that definitely wouldn't have been part of our... uh, All I I know is I have a a dragon friend named Orion, and he's a fat derg, and he's a big derg, and every time we look at Orion's belt, I'm like, look, it's yours! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you dropped something well, well, sticking was... with Greek mythology I mean you also have like the Cyclops in uh, in, in the Odyssey um, that mm-hmm. is typically understood to be a, a very large creature I mean large enough to eat the most half of Odysseus's crew what was it? the Cyclops Cyclops yeah 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 what a and lad. that's kind of a human I mean yeah he eats humans but I think he's generally considered to be like just a human with one eye, right? Yeah, he's, he's yeah. a giant, giant, yeah. but basically he's drawn as a human with one eye. Yeah, yeah, he's actually classified as a as a giant, and then he's just got one eye, pretty much. So there's like backstory, but whatever. He's big and some stuff eats people. Has one eye, Cyclops, ladies and gentlemen. Are there any kind of anthropomorphic um, giants in Greek mythology? I know we've talked about some of the human giants in Greek mythology. Um, and, we, and there's obviously like giant monsters that are like, you know, sea creatures and stuff. But so you're gonna have a who is the guy that was in the? Uh, Wasn't the, there the, something from Pandora's box? The labyrinth. The the, the Minotaur. The Minotaur was always Min- the Minotaur. That was large. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's like twelve feet tall. I guess that qualifies. Yeah. Yeah. Mini macro. That's but it's also not exactly anthropomorphic. I mean, it's kind of it's like a. a, a, a uh, not a cyclops, the other C word, um, centaur, uh, half, centaur. Yeah. Uh, you know, half beast, half man. So, question: Did any of the gods in any of the uh, recorded, you know, tales and stories of Greek mythology, did any of them assume a form that was anthropomorphic in uh, nature? Oh God, yes. Uh, approximately, I think Zeus would would yeah. do that a lot of times yeah. to, approximately to basically of, have sex with every woman in Greece. Essentially, yeah. Half of yeah. Greek mythology is Zeus having sex with things he shouldn't, as animals that he shouldn't be. Uh, yeah. Greek mythology wouldn't exist without Zeus. Just, uh, pardon my French, fucking everything. <laughs> it's yeah, basically. So, anyway, I'm trying to think. I, if, I just didn't know if there are any. 
Greek giant giants. Uh, so we got Kronos, but that's he's well, no, no. Giant. I mean, not not human giants, but anthropomorphic giants. Uh, oh. But what's the the not the is it the cockatrice? Which you have a couple of those animals that are hybrids, and I'm trying to remember yeah. if they're Greek in origin, or do they just appear in the Bible? Are there chimeras? Uh, are there any chimeras in Greek mythology? Yeah, chimera should be Greek, right? I think so. I think there's a couple different takes on it. I think we lost Panda Paws, or he's. I'm still here. I'm sorry. I'm okay. looking up things. Juan, <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, I'm actually drawing a blank on any anthropomorphic specific, but we do have, like, beasts. You know, we have a lot of beasts, like Leviathan, Well, of I think. Well, Leviathan, of course, dragons, western dragons, dragons. and yeah, eastern yeah. dragons, some of them. Mm-hmm. Apparently uh, Apollo was also, uh, in addition to Zeus, was also frequently Apollo. depicted as, as an animal with anthropomorphic characters, like a wolf, basically. Oh yeah, oh, I was thinking he'd be a cheetah. Well, fast. was it each of the each of the Greek gods had a representation in animal form and uh, yep. a symbology mm-hmm. some way else? That's true of the Egyptian gods too. I thought. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Then, if you go a little bit, you know, this is something a, a little bit further past Greek, um, but in the Old English, you have uh, Gwent, Grendel from Beowulf as, as an example, oh, yeah. and, and then also the dragon from Beowulf is. Um, giant creatures that are in would that's would you still consider beowulf being kind of like oh, old yeah. english mythology i mean uh, he's, that's, he's, that's, he's like a spartan right that's totally mythology i would consider that mythology heck uh if you yeah. want to go even more modern into english uh there's the derby ram uh which is an old english folk song that there are mm-hmm. variations on of a ram so large that when they butchered it you know People drowned in the town, or took cartloads to get all of the fur and all this other thing. Nice. It's, it's one of these just kind of fun tunes that you find in country towns. Do they also have to always had to butcher these? Yeah, this is like the third time yeah. we talked about it's... A, a giant creature dying and like people being drowned in, in its blood. Well, so, you know, if you want an unbutchered giant animal, you go for Babe the Big Blue Ox, right? Yeah. So typically, I guess that's like, mythology too. Yeah. Typically mythology, there's actually a really awesome Netflix series called Myths and Mythology or something like that, and they actually go into why people make myths, like why the myths actually exist, why it helped people get through certain points in history, and typically whenever you see a giant monster or something that is evil, that's giant, and it's slain, it's essentially that culture, that civilization clinging to something that helps them get through a time of trouble. Is it, didn't so. Joseph Campbell do a big series on that uh, in, mm-hmm. in the BBC? And they, there's the Power of Myth. That was the name of it. Yeah, but, yeah. But and was, like myths have been huge in like for all of history. But he was so. doing things like tying common myth telling in the great epics of the Iliad and the myths of the Greeks, and then he'd turn around mm-hmm. saying it's the same thing as Star Wars. Kinda. And you go look at it. Kinda. Yeah. It's like I, same, I mean, yeah. Star Wars has structure. a lot of mythology basis to it as well. Right. Well, right. I mean, so. You, of course, then we were just talking about media because I mean we could be talking about Harry yeah. Potter and Godzilla and those two films, or, or even like Lord of the Rings too, and, and and that's kind of getting past the realm of mythology, oh, even though it has even yeah. though it has mythology in it, it's kind of beyond what we're trying to go for. Godzilla Gentlemen, versus Lord of the Rings, huh. gentlemen, I propose to you not until a... not until the uh, March Madness bracket uh, <laughs> gives us that. <laughs> so yeah. do we have uh, anything? I... From... We we do have characters from Lord of the Rings in the in the pool, right? Uh, I do believe we do. Let me go look. I, I want yeah. to say uh, nope. Sauron might be in there. Sauron, uh, yeah. Sauron or, or the dragon. The what's the dragon? Um, uh, uh, Smaug. 
Smog, yeah. Smog, yeah. I guess that, that's technically Hobbit, but so, is Smog well, is Smog in the Lord of the Rings books? Like, yes, he's Smog is more Lord of the Rings, the Rings books. I know, I know, he's but, the main character, main villain in the Hobbit. I just he's a, he's in both. I think. Yeah, so we, what you're saying referenced. is they didn't they didn't finish the job in the Hobbit. Yeah, I basically. Think he's referenced in Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. I think they did finish him in the Hobbit, but he's referenced. Um, yeah, I honestly we, haven't. I've never read any of those books and haven't. I've only briefly yeah. seen the movies. Smog, so is, did, Smog is on the bracket, by the way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. Awesome. So I have to say, uh, I have a proposition or a uh, philosophical, you know. You have thought, a preposition. I have a preposition in. Yes. So <laughs> over where there over yeah. So, oh, you're trying to say you have a proposition? Proposition. That's what, what I said. We need to make the uh, panda bigger. Said, so, myths have been something that have been told throughout history. In the modern age, we're kind of making our own myths right now. So, Godzilla is a mythical monster. <laughs> I, I mean, really, myth is, mythology is just the, the idea of a generally accepted literature. Um, mm-hmm. And that's literature in a broad sense, not necessarily just referring to things that are written down, because most mythology yeah. of the ancient days was passed down orally, um, and, and you know it was only written down later. Yeah. But in, in modern times, I think you do have things like uh, Godzilla and mm-hmm. and probably Lord of the Rings that that have entered the um, common mindset, the general mindset of being, that would qualify it as modern mythology. And Star oh, yeah. Wars is probably there too. You know, yep. talking about, about mythology that. is just a fancy word for storytelling also. Well, so. I think it's more than that. Cause I mean, if I tell you a story about my cat who went out and found a, you know, a, a ball and played with it and you know, that that's a story, right. but that's not necessarily mythology. It's only mm-hmm. when something becomes the basis of a collective that's kind true. of, mindset uh that that a lot of people agree upon and is not is not any more directly attributable to one person even though like lord of the rings yeah you could directly attribute it to uh jr tolkien Tolkien, Mm -hmm. but um it's been expanded upon so much to kind of i think qualify as mythology and same thing with star wars um and and, in a lot of ways you could say jr tolkien was another homer he was relying on a lot of stories that he had heard in front of them, and he combined That's them true. into one big, long, coherent one. A lot of his work has drawn from English mythology, um, right. and, and, and and the idea of like dwarves and, and and stuff like that. And and, so, and you forget how when you read something like that, you forget how groundbreaking it was when he wrote it. He really <laughs> encoded the entire concept of everything that follows. We're like, oh, this is just basic trope. It's easy. He was pulling together a lot of things and made the idea of you know, the long beard, white haired wizard, and all this you know, yeah, dragons and all true. that. And, and so, I think tying that back to like Greek mythology, I mean, yeah, you have the idea of Homer being the one that maybe a lot of the stories were kind of channeled through, even if Homer not wasn't necessarily yeah. one person. But it, the mythology kind of expanded beyond just that that one creator or storyteller um, even if it wasn't the creator um, and has kind of became the work of the society as a collective yeah so would it be safe to say that anything that causes a movement or something that causes people to um, as a as a whole band together do something feel something create something etc is qualified as a myth or mythology I think it can be yeah, yeah. Um, okay. it's, I don't think that's the only qualification but right, right. it's definitely a big part of the definition you know, that's I, really interesting I, because I, that could go ahead go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
Okay, I'll just real fast. I was going to say, uh, this is probably stretching it, and I, I don't want to, you know, you know, stretch it too far, but would it be okay to say that um, stuff that is made in the fandom, since it's on a small scale? I mean, I was going to basically kind of bring that up. I, don't, I wouldn't say it necessarily is a full-on mythology, but it can be like maybe like a mini-mythology, because but, it's not something that's generally accepted by a wide by, by all of americans or all of the world i mean at this point at this point we have like a global neighborhood right. so it's a niche you, but you know yeah. if there was a mythology it's not going to come if there was a modern mythology it's not going to come just from one country it's going to be kind of the world at large right. but it's something that at least within the community you know everyone accepts the existence of rogue or existence of duncan rue and yeah. within that community I think those characters are a modern mythology, um, and and those characters will probably live on, you know, after whenever the inevitable comes and and their creators pass on. Um, mm -hmm. Those characters will probably still, in one form or another, still exist. Oh man, that's a topic like passing on uh, legends like that. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's what mythology is. I mean, that's why you know before the days of papyrus and paper, you still had those stories that were passed on through through oral communication that's got um, me thinking yeah and i think i think you've you've really touched on it there that even as small as the fandom is it's having an effect on things like uh totally we pick up things that because they're furry that other people wouldn't care about yeah. as much you know tanuki mm -hmm. uh uh the 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 multi-tailed foxes um Jesus. The uh, uh, Kitsune? Kitsune yeah, and stuff Kitsune. like that. Yes, mm -hmm. they have their own right. Yes, they have a background. But a lot of people are, you know, we end up recodifying what we see the species as, what it does. That's uh, true. You know, and for example, red pandas have an insane popularity in the fandom. Uh, yeah. And red pandas are just popular with everybody. Right? Red pandas are just adorable. Everyone but, loves red pandas. But I, I think what you're seeing is, <laughs> is stuff forms. And you might have a really compelling person with a vision or story. Uh, we mentioned telephone earlier. There's someone that's created an entire mythical species with background and writing on it. That's very true. And over time, some of that gets adopted or spread out. Mm -hmm. and I think you could see that an example of that uh, on a species level of the, the the presence of circles within the fandom. I mean, circles oh, are yeah. something that True. does come from a novel, and so it's the creation of an individual, but yeah. the fandom adopted that idea, or at least people within the fandom, not necessarily the whole fandom, um, adopted that idea and fleshed it out to where it's much more than just, I, I don't even know the name of the novel that they're from. Someone would probably write in and tell us, but um, mm -hmm. you know, it's much more than just that one uh, original source. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically what we're trying to say is uh, everyone in the fandom, all of you guys, whoever creates things, whoever makes things, anything that uh, you do, it's a part of this, I guess, mini mythology that we've made. So you're all part of that history. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But go ahead, Benny. Well, no, I just... It's funny, the fandom is very much focused on people creating characters, or it was mm -hmm. very early on. I have a concept of what I am, here's what I am, this is who I am. Yeah, and, it's amazing. And it's sort of like the mythology is a secondary spinoff. You might create a character, or you might create a species in a world that inhabits it, but you're not trying to tell anything very moral about it or anything. You're just telling stories. And so yeah. you, you end up with <laughs> almost that like 
John Henry kind of mythos. I, I suppose that's a bad example. It does have a little bit of morality built into it. Uh, mm-hmm. How about Casey Jones or something like that? It's literally just a story from an event. It doesn't have yeah. an inherent mor- moral teaching, but it sort of well, becomes a I think a mythos. Paul, Paul Bunyan also qualifies as that. You know, talking oh, about yeah. Casey yeah. Jones. It, and, it tells you that there's people, no real moral to Paul Bunyan. It tells yeah, you so, that, that people are very big who are lumberjacks. Yes. Awesome. So the, the relationship between mythology and the people who have been affected by it, who have created it, etc., is something that you've seen repeated time and time again throughout history. So it's amazing to know that even in our own sphere, I mean, obviously you've got the fandom, the furry fandom as a whole, but also within the macro and micro community, we're making our own thing. And I think putting that in comparison or putting that kind of next to mythology as a whole is just kind of a really cool way to think about it. That's really neat, I gotta say. But, you know, any, yeah. I, in that same vein of thought, when I go to cons right now, you know, I go to Anthrocon here, I just went this year, and I, I don't remember how many people they have, 9,000 or whatever? A lot. And it's it's like, I look at that, and I go, the first con I went to and I staffed was yep. 200. You can see the you know? influence, right? I, I'm like, yeah. you, probably had, you probably had panels that had more than that attend. Yeah, right, I'm like, right. what the heck happened? <laughs> Uh, you know, you're in awe that you had a part of creating it, and you're happy to see where it's going. At least right now in furry, mm-hmm. which is more diverse in gender, in race, in people, in ideas, and things that they're doing. It's like, wow, this is really cool, and I'm glad to be a part of it. It's art! And, and I've probably said it before, either here or on Twitter, but I think one of the best elements of the fandom is the idea that it's something that was created independent of any kind of corporate yes. or you know corporate influence any kind of uh, outside like bedrock laying down i mean obviously there were influences from mm-hmm. disney cartoons Renamon, and, you know, Crystal, Cat, disney but but <laughs> none of those uh you know you don't you don't go to a fandom and see the zootopia table like you would see it at a, an official con like a D23 or a Comic-Con. You know, you don't have panels right. um, that are officially sponsored by the corporate crea- corporate owner of the uh, media in question. It, it's all very organic. And mm-hmm. um, I think that lends, a, a, you know, bringing it back to topic, lends an element of being more of a true mythology as opposed to a product that's, that's created for consumption. Oh, yeah, um, that's it's, fair. You know, it's that's... something that is created because of the desire to share with others and to communicate stories with others and oh, yeah. and just be a part of a collective storytelling, um, mm-hmm. which you know is is really amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 one I, I like to I, I worry sometimes about couching it as corporate versus not. Uh, <laughs> the 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 one the one way I like to put it is almost all of the fandoms, and I struggle to find any other other than furry. Are mm-hmm. what I, I hate this term, but it's the only term I can think of. They're parasitic. They're they yeah. follow an external Yikes, yeah. force. Comic uh, yeah. books, anime. I mean, those right. are all exist because of the creations that were built outside of the fandom. And uh, dis- furry, furry could exist without that. And furry, disclaimer: fur- We're not trying to say we're better than anyone else. Just no, saying. no. And furry, <laughs> furry grows from within. They make their own. And mm-hmm. it's funny. I got to see this uh, explained at one point. Uh, we had really? a guest. We had a guest of honor at uh, one of the Anthrocons. A gentleman by the name of Mark Evanier. Uh, he's a writer for comics and television, and other things. 
we he was there sort of as a bonus guest because we brought Carolyn Kelly, uh, the the daughter of Walt Kelly, who wrote Pogo. Mm-hmm. And oh. the other guest that year was Rob Paulson, the voice to oh, uh, Wacko yeah. and, Yakko yeah, and yeah, Pinky yeah. and all that. Pinky, yeah. And they I knew, think so, Brian. He also knew. has a, a fantastic podcast that I don't remember the name of, but if you search Rob oh. Paulson podcast. Uh, um, Talking Tunes. Talking uh, Tunes. Okay. And, yeah, and yeah. he is an awesome, but they knew each other because Mark Evanier does voice casting for cartoons. He hires Rob all the time. And Rob mm-hmm. at one point was kind of perplexed. Like he looks over Mark and says, what are these people fans of? Stuff. And and, and Mark thought for a moment, he says, you got to understand, they're fans of each other. Yeah, uh, that's true. F- from someone who's working in the professional industry, they're like, they're like who is creating this mess? Well, they, they do. And so uh, it's fun to watch. And, uh, you know, it's fun watching people that come from the professional world showing up at a furry con. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they're a I'm bit perplexed, they so but they have fun. I think you see a lot of that with what happened in Anthrocon with the, uh, oh, the yeah, voice we... actor for of uh, Haida Ben. For uh, Haida, oh, he was uh, so into it. I love it. What's what's his last name? It's Ben is his first ben name. Ben Diskin. Diskin, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know he was kind of awe inspired at the beginning and kind of just absorbing all of that passion. And uh, you know I, I've heard I've seen kind of similar stories happen with. Other people like Joaquin Baldwin that have kind of come in from outside of the fandom. Yeah, I love I love Joaquin. Oh my gosh, it's what? just a uh, a nut that they it's kind of it's impossible to totally crack that nut. But mm-hmm. I think exploring the uh, intricacies and the just the quirks of the fandom, yeah, for better or worse, is something that is truly fascinating for for a lot of people. Uh, you know what I gotta say, um, just. Just experiencing the fandom, and obviously I've said this from the beginning, but furries, please never change. Like, <laughs> we're wonderful in our own right. And the fact that we were able to compare just straight-up mythology with who we are as creators, as people, as a fandom, is absolutely mind-blowing. Well, it's, you, it's you have to wonder if, if in some ways it wasn't the same way for the folks that were telling the stories. Because if you look at the mythologies... Uh, you know, we get Edith Hamilton's printing of, okay, this is what this Greek myth was. But there yeah. were many variations. You know, each town kind of had their their favorite god. And, and that guy would get, <laughs> that guy or gal would get a bigger yeah. part in how they told the story. That's and, very true. And you see that in the same thing in Hinduism myths and in all of those. There's these, you know, it's not that there's thousands of gods. There's about 20 mm-hmm. variations of gods. But... Are local guys really important when you're here, you know? Right, right. It's, it's, it's like uh, different cultures, different civilizations, different peoples finding different hooks and different inspirations. It's essentially an inspiration train. Um, like people finding things, you know, making them their own, tweaking them, or telling brand new stories. Like, well, all of it is cool. <laughs> speaking of mythology, would you, would you then quantify, say... Some of the folks really liking their sports team mascots as like a regional mythos. Interesting. I mean, you look at look you at. You have all an example. Gritty. Oh, I was thinking you were going to oh, go with really? the, the Cebu Lions from. Uh, well, the Japan. furries are very much mm-hmm. love Cebu Lion. I don't know if he knows. Zen, gosh, gosh, <laughs> dang it, Zen. Wait, wait, love are you, you saying that? that uh, are you saying that Gritty is aware of the furry passion? I think Gritty knows that Philadelphia likes him. Yep. I, I, it pretty much went like this, okay? They published, this is our new mascot, Gritty. And everyone looked mm-hmm. at that and went, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And then 
you know, people. Keep in mind, this is the city that already gave us thirty Poor years gritty. of the Philly fanatic. Well, well, or forty years. If you live in Philadelphia, you look at that, and go, "What the fuck is this?" And then you get up the next morning, and you look at the newspapers, and the rest of the world is going, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> and and the reaction of a Philadelphia native is now. You leave our crack child we alone. We love him. Yeah. We love him. That is how that town thinks. So who awesome. I want to say that, that that's maybe more specific to Philadelphia than anything. Oh yes, yeah. very much so. But yeah. like that's actually that's actually a good point, and I, I fear that we may be straying a little off topic, but it's still within the realms of mythology. Sports teams, oh, no, and no. mascots. No, I, I can pull this right back to myth- the right okay. topic. So what was what was the name of the team that has the white lion mascot? Sambu. Yeah, there's more words than that, but that's... Yeah, we just need to see macro pictures of him, and we are right back on top. I will start on this as soon as we're done with the podcast. (laughs) Saitama Cebu Lions. Yeah. Oh, Saitama? Like One Punch Man? What? Like what? No, no. He's going to be like One Punch Paw. I mean, mean, Saitama is a uh, prefecture in Japan. Maybe. Yeah. Oh wow! One one stump paw. I'm sure all of all of the Japanese aficionados listening to this podcast right now are shaking their heads in unison. Sorry. Hey, I took a year of Japanese. I'm gonna take it next year too. I got a B. Go menazai. I didn't take any Japanese. I went to school in the South. They taught me the Civil War was about states' rights, and I had to unlearn that. I know Ohio gozaimas, doi tashimase, and go menazai. That's pretty much it. That's all the there Japanese any I know. Japanese oh, Baka mythology and giants in, in Japanese mythology or Chinese mythology. Um, we've been kind of focusing on age on a east or western mythology. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the red-faced kind of demon-looking creatures when they reveal their real form are usually giant. Like the oni? Uh like yeah, the, the oni, thank you. And yeah. I I think also they do the same thing a lot of mythos do of, you know, oh, that there's a story. That mountain is there and broken off because giant, what's his name, stepped on it. I mean, yeah. th- there's a ton of Hell those yeah. kind of myths. Hell yeah, Japan. Love it. I would I would totally love for them to have, like, a giant tiger myth. Yes, please. Uh, that's, okay, uh, they have Exxon. to. That's the, the mythology of the great nation of Exxon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <sighs> oh, boy. Okay. What? Did, did I ever explain that to you guys? That like, uh, if you took Tony the Tiger and you back rated him to the amount of money that Kellogg's earns from Frosted Flakes, and say he's nine foot tall, and then you did that like height to money ratio, but applied mm-hmm. it to Esso the Tiger, he's like a planet-ending event because Exxon has so much money. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so I will say I'm cheating, and I looked up. Uh, you're giant... you're what, Kinson? He's I'm, a cheetah. I'm a cheetah, therefore I'm cheating. I'm using my. Uh, Get out of jail free card. Well, that's better um, than snapping. Yes. <laughs> so I must perch on the snap. So uh, every <laughs> okay, giant Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. What the hell is with the perching on snaps? Is that a Giza per- thing? It's Yeah, it's a Giza thing, and it's against Humph, I guess. It's kind of been humps. a thing that just started. Humphs, yeah. yeah Perching humps. on snaps, yeah. Okay. And being a very large chi, I have a very large advantage. You perch it on all of them snaps. at once. It's Exactly, so... Um, but legendary creatures, I guess, or giant creatures from Japan, I looked up a Wikipedia, and there's a ton. So, all you have to do is just look that up. There's Why many. don't you list them for us, Kenson? Oh, boy. Okay. In one breath. We've got uh, Abumi Gucci, Abura Akago, Abura Sumasashi, Akabeko, Akanan... Maybe I should have asked you to actually, like, pick a few and just tell us about it. Yeah, there's a lot. On second thought, let's change our request. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find one that, um sticks out to me real fast um let's see 
Oh, uh, Basan, a large fire-breathing chicken monster. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of dragons. There's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, let's see. Most powerful Tengu. Giant responsible for creating a geographical features of Japan, which is uh, Daidara Botachi. Is this another There's... one of those they fell and became the mountains kind of giant? Maybe. I don't know. Well, hey, but... I, I, stealing my total knowledge of Japan, wasn't Inu, Inuyasha's dad supposed to have been gigantic at the beginning of that series? I think so. Well, you know, Goku in Dragon Ball, when the full moon happens, he yes, giant, like ape. A giant, uh, uh, giant ape. mythology, right? Well, uh, Dragon Ball actually is based on some yes. form of Chinese. Uh, yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally just gonna, I'm gonna be such a horrible American here uh, and just assume that anime accurately reflects Japanese culture. Actually, there is a ton of anime that that does exactly that. Um, Naruto, <laughs> uh, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. Um, but that's actually, but Dragon Ball is actually Chinese. It's a Chinese mythology. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not. I don't know if that quite. Yeah, because it's it's literally the god Son Goku, <laughs> like the Monkey King, is what they're referencing in that. Oh, right. So, um, is that is yeah. that the usual deal where the god can appear to be giant if they so choose? I think so. Yeah. Well, Goku doesn't really have much choice over it. Mm-hmm. At least in Dragon. Ball. In fact, Ball. he doesn't even remember it after it happens. Yeah, it's called the Ozaru. Uh, or great monkey, quote unquote. Yeah, that well, yeah, that was way cooler than the than the inflated Majin Buu. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, uh, I, okay, first off, I love Dragon Ball Z. I won't get into that because I'm a huge nerd about it. Did you but, watch the original Dragon Ball? Yes, I have. Um, I've watched yep. Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, unfortunately, Dragon Ball GT, and I'm currently watching Dragon Ball Super. Um, Is, isn't there a YouTube series that's the compressed but slightly smart-ass version of the series now? D- D- DBZ Abridged, yes. yes. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Uh, it basically pokes fun at all the plot holes and stuff in, in ways, and it's way more hilarious than just yeah, that. I but, like what I've seen. Uh, I haven't watched most of Dragon Balls, uh, much of Dragon Balls. I haven't watched much of regular Dragon Ball either. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like the original Dragon Ball better because it doesn't take itself as seriously. I think oh, DBZ yeah. takes itself way more seriously and is kind of loses at least some kind of uh, yeah. uh, appeal for me in that yeah. because of that uh, akira toriyama himself it, you can almost see like him growing up or maturing as he made the different series like dragon ball was like sarcastic didn't really matter it was like poking fun at things dragon ball z was like the like becoming a young adult or something and like making a serious show and then GT wasn't even his work. It's a bastardization of the of the series. And then Super, you have both the sarcasm, uh, the the sarcasm of Dragon Ball and the seriousness of Dragon Ball Z combined, and it's interesting. So, so Super now you're talking. Awesome. So now that we've transitioned topics into anime, uh, no, 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 we need to go back. So I, I actually, <laughs> Marty, I kind of have a question. So if we're talking about mythology, then. Is there something mythologically that the uh, the Asian cultures or Japanese specifically totally think kaiju is awesome and it's treated as like typical kids' fair and so. this is a great thing and all that? Whereas if you were to try to dig through, say, I don't know, American media and find a regular mm-hmm. giant size anything, you won't. Uh, well, sure you will. I mean, we've already talked about some the the Paul Bunyan yeah. and the baby. I- yeah, you know, but even Clifford the Big Red Dog. I mean, yeah. giants, I think, are just something that are common to all yeah. forms of media. It's just that Correct. in Japan, they have a very specific niche that they have fit in in the, right. the kaiju mold. 
Yeah, so, they, they found sort of a cultural fold for it, which is interesting. So I will say, on the topic of mythology, humans in general, as much as we sometimes don't want to be, um, humans in general have always oogled or awed or something at the idea of something that is giant. Doesn't matter if you're into it more deeply or not. That's why everyone is a secret macrophile. Everyone is. It's true. You heard it here first, folks. Stay tuned to the Size Matters podcast for all your hard-hitting news. It definitely has a broad appeal for a variety of reasons. Yeah, because like cartoons will always have at least one giant episode. That's something we talked about. We need to come up with a specific number. You know, you got Rule Forty Three and all that. We need to. Because people talk about it can't be mm-hmm. a cartoon for more than a year until they have a macro or micro episode. I, um, I, I vote that it's rule three, uh, 328, which is the height Godzilla is at 100 meters. <laughs> of course, so. it's going to come back to Godzilla for you, Kenson. Of course, of course. Um, but anyway, finish up what your thought was. But yeah, so um, giants in mythology and just human history, etc., has, has always been a thing. So even today, we see cartoons made, and there's at least one episode. Every cartoon has at least one episode of someone being giant, someone becoming giant, someone, uh, you know, at some point becoming huge or something like that. And it doesn't matter how that goes. But we talked about that a while ago. Okay. Well, so, let, me, let me put you on the spot. Uh, we'll go around each of us. What I have is, many spots. Bring what, it on. What is a cartoon that had the macro episode that you really, really liked? That I really liked. Yeah, that oh, you liked. this is a topic that we. This is like a completely different topic that we talked about like yeah, five we episodes should, ago. We is should it? probably save this. Oh, okay. Uh, Don't make me tangent any harder than we already have. Do, do you find that your like for macro affects other myths? Like I, I yes. totally think werewolves should be like at least twelve to fourteen feet tall. I'm tired of seeing Absolutely. bat puppies. Twelve to fourteen. That's like a puppy werewolf. Yeah, I'm tired yeah, of seeing true. like bat that's puppy true. werewolves that are like five foot tall and they howl like a hamster being dropped. Yeah, true. Yeah, werewolves at minimum, I will say, have to be at least eight or nine feet tall. At that's least. why whenever I play Skyrim and I transition into a werewolf, I also mm-hmm. open the console and double the scale so that I'm now. Oh, you know. I love you. We're one uh, and the same. <laughs> hey, that'll we be next week's. That'll be next week's discussion. What, Skyrim? Oh, next month. Well, not specifically <laughs> Skyrim, but um, yeah, that is our next episode, I guess, since it sounds like it's a good place to transition into a, uh, uh, well, unless there was any, anything else you wanted to answer as far as Minnie's question, Kenson. Oh, shit, really? It's an hour. Oh, damn. Yeah, it's been yeah. close to an hour. Uh, so I will say. Entirely too long for me to sit here with my air conditioning turning off. <laughs> oh, so, um, Sorry. It's so, like 95 degrees outside. I don't know. Did we did we want to go back and talk about uh, any other creatures of mythology? Because there's Bigfoot in American mythology. Yeah. Like Bigfoot's not really a macro. Completely lacks he's, the he's sexy like, factor. He's mini macro. Really? Okay. <laughs> my, my favorite Bigfoot myth idea was that one guy talking about it. He says, you know, we have all these remote Himalayan cultures that talk about Bigfoot. And they well, that, the Himalayan, it's not Bigfoot. Bigfoot's America. Uh, Himalayan, and, the, uh, and they talk about and they say, the it's just, they're not very tall people, and they don't have a lot of body hair. And in the 19th century, we had all these Brits wandering around that after two months of being lost are going to oh have massive beards and shaggy hair and not <laughs> speak don't their know. language and be a foot oh, taller. And oh, then you know, I've, <laughs> I've been on Expedition Everest, and that Yeti is like uh, 20 feet tall. 
It's true. I love Expedition Everest. I, I, you know, you know the story that that Yeti has not. It's supposed to actually move out and like swipe at you, um, but it's mm-hmm. not done that for like twelve years, fifteen years, because oh. um, they found like five years after they opened the road, the coaster that that movement was so powerful that due to a flaw in the software that was designing it, it was literally tearing the building apart. Oh, great! Nice. Yeah. I mean, so just, just like any big beast should, right? We see buildings, we must smash. Well, considering that that, that ride took about a billion dollars to build, I'm sure that the Walt Disney Wait, Company what? is... Uh, this, this sounds like an that, that was almost like a billion dollar ride. That was the most expensive uh, theme park ride ever built. Really? Wait, was it actually a billion? It was close to... It's around a billion, yeah. Oh, jeez. I'm going to have to... It's not that I don't believe you, but I'm going to Google. <laughs> uh, Expedition. See, I need to keep that in my memory later, that, that like... Uh theme park rides and characters on them could be jobs for macro okay this says a hundred million and i don't think million. that's right yeah maybe that was back when it was built so like inflation's not accounted for yeah i mean it's all it's 13 years ago oh okay where yeah. was this at it's uh it's walt disney w- world and oh. yeah oh which i want to go back so bad Ugh. god man the last time i went down to disney world there wasn't a safari park yet really yeah when, it was did, like you, when, when, when did you go 87 Oh, okay. Well, there wasn't even the Disney MGM Studios then, because that opened mm. in 91. No, I assume that they, they populated the Disney MGM Studios with the well, people who misbehave at the park. Guys, you know what that means. No, that's small. We world. need to stomp down to Disney World. Ah. Gotta take a Disney World trip. Someday. You know, Someday. The, they, the, annually they do the Disney 5K at, the, at Disneyland, which is well, for employees. Uh, not anymore. They've kind of discontinued all of their races because the city of Anaheim... Well, it's partially because of the construction of Star Wars Land, but also the city of uh, was mm-hmm. not well, the, the 5K was they would pick a ride, and you had to ride the ride until the ride Oh, I thought you were 5K. talking about the actual races. I'm sorry. My, my oh, they wait, said, so you have to ride a ride that that's equivalent of a 5K marathon? Yes, and they like, said the greatest dropout ratio they ever had was the year they did It's a Small World. Oh, my gosh. I can't, yeah. <laughs> so... Oh boy! See, it's a small world track that would take uh, about. I don't think how long that track is. It like does go days. for a while, but it just goes really slow. That's the issue. Like three days, probably. I don't think it would be three days. It's a world of laughter, a world of fear. I, I would probably drop out halfway it's a at world least. Of hope. The easiest would probably be the monorail because the monorail goes yeah. the fastest monorail. of any ride, and of any major rides, and it's just like you don't have any kind of like physical. Uh, uh, of course you love the monorail, stresses. the giant cheetah chasing after it as it goes. Hey, man, I run alongside the monorail and make all the people inside excited or scared. Okay, well, so since we've gotten completely off topic, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. let's uh, go ahead and discuss the topic of our next episode that we've already kind of mentioned, yes. which is going to be oh, video games. Woo! Yes, video games. So Again. not just Skyrim, but video games. You can talk yeah. all about all the macro burger time you ever want. Yes, please. Yeah. I well, those burgers. I mean, you're walking on top of the bun, so that's more of a micro. Ah, uh, true. It is a micro. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that the first micro video game? Mm-hmm. Uh, it predates mapping. Probably not. Probably not. I, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would I would have to think about this for a we, minute. We but... we would have to do. We must do research. Magic must defeat magic. That's oh. next episode, anyways. I'm not going to think about it for now. That's next episode. Video game <laughs> research. Um, we just so, take yeah, like a we'll... Jeopardy moment. We'll be talking about that, and you can write in to sizematterspodcast at gmail.com with thoughts about that topic or the topic that we discussed today, the mythology yeah. issue. Um, or you can tweet at sizematterscast on Twitter. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it brings us to our next segment, which is Benny. Ah, the March Madness. We're just going to talk about Benny. I saw Macro okay? Madness. Let's call it Macro Madness. How's macro that? Madness. Yeah, March Madness. Macro Madness. Where, where macro we... Madness. So, so do you have the, the vote? So our last episode, uh, we, our was... poll that we released on Twitter... Space Godzilla the, versus yes. Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Who and won? in a stunning upset, oh, <laughs> the winner by wide margin was Space Godzilla. Yes, um, because s'mores. 80, 83% to 17%. Oh, we knew we would end up with s'mores. All of you guys are just boring. <laughs> you have no imagination. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, so... Um, so- Real fast. I um, voted for Space Puff. So, and no one, no one wrote in their logic at all, right? No, no one did. So we have to know everyone's logic. Quan, what is your logic for why Stay Puff would win? Go. Because Space Godzilla is someone who is very rigid and True. not flexible. Um, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, only the concentrated blast of the four... Um, what are the guns in, Ghost, in Ghostbusters called? Oh, uh, linear EK. accelerators. Yeah. yeah, the four combined could blow them up. And Godzilla only has the equivalent of one of those. So, Space Godzilla. Actually, I don't really know anything about Space Godzilla, so I just <laughs> went with Stay Puff Marshmallow. I guarantee you he pours out way more power than required to turn him into s'mores. Um, Which so... one is bigger, though? Because Stay Puff Marshmallow Man is like the size oh, of uh, okay. about, you know... Most of the skyscrapers in New York, so he's probably about I think Space Godzilla's feet taller. tall. How Space, tall Space Godzilla is actually bigger than regular Gojira. So Space well, how big is how big is Space Godzilla is uh, in height two hundred and fifty meters. Whereas Stay uh, Puff, according to Wikipedia, is one hundred and twelve feet. Okay, so yeah, Space okay. Godzilla towers over at least three times taller. Oh boy, so, so. he could just like punt him like a soccer ball. Yeah. Space Godzilla is um, actually. Wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. 120 meters. Uh, it says 250 meters flying. I don't know what that's about. Frank, please answer us. Um, <laughs> but 120 meters is what it says. So, but still, like triple, triple. But size. still, yeah, that's like triple of, of yeah. Um, so Stay Puff went down and became a s'more, and we ended up with Spacezilla, huh? It's squash. All right. So the next poll that we're gonna have for the macro madness. And Kenton and I don't actually know what this matchup's going to be. because All right. So drum roll, please. So drum roll, please. We're going to take everyone's favorite transforming lion space warrior, Voltron. Oh, my. And we're going to pit that sword-wielding space entity against the prince of insanity and darkness himself, Cthulhu. Oh, oh my gosh. So Holy crap. Classic Voltron versus Cthulhu. I don't oh, like man. any of these options. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so uh, let us know. We will be posting the poll. Let us know who you want to win. Yes, I mean, man. It'll be on Twitter, um, but you can also uh, email us at sizematterspodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Or again, our Twitter uh, handle is at sizematterscast. So look at one of those places. Either vote on the poll or email us, or do both. Or if, both. if you do, if you do both, there's honestly no way I can know. So oh, I'll you can vote, vote twice. twice. Yeah. You can kind of, you can, <laughs> oh really, no! I'm just really, you could broken. vote three times because I would count the vote on the poll. 
a comment on the, the Twitter poll if you actually took the time to comment, and an email is three separate votes. Guys, the really wanted to stuff the ballot box for your choice, that's how you do it. They played us like a damn fiddle. The game's rigged from the start. I, I'm just imagining, you know, this whole technology, science, spacey Voltron versus, you know, the evil entity of, of magic. It's like, this is a bad British sci-fi plot. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Something from, like, I, the 80s BBC where they would have spent about 50 bucks on the special effects. and Oh, yeah. A, like a dog in, in a Cthulhu mask. And... It's a stagehand coming in with a trash bag over him. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, okay, so that's going to be our next matchup for the second game, or I guess second matchup of... How many did we pick of this? Uh, in there this are game? 32 entities. Okay, I was thinking it was going to be 64. So there's going to be 16 matchups in the first round, yes. and this is our second one. So we'll still have a ways to go, uh, but that is what we got coming up. Um, and then the next segment that we have next is going to be our Artist Spotlight... Oh, do we, beow, 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 beow. do we do Spotlight first, or do we do Mail first? We don't have any mail. Ah! Oh, that's in mail. No one writes in to us. Did anyone write into you, Benny? No one wrote into me. I, I, oh. Yes, yes, you saw this, but this was addressed to uh, the cheetah. Really? I, I didn't see this. Yes. Hello? Yes. Hello? On the last All episode, right. you said, I think it's canon that there would be multiple mother eggs on the Earth at one time. Yes. Frang will probably slap me on the head if I'm wrong on this. Mm-hmm. Frang wrote in. Mm-hmm. All right. I honestly thought this happened before the last episode, so. Yeah. All right, it's let's see. It's been a see. while since our last episode. <laughs> I'll do this quick. So, buckle up. Here we go. I'm I heard there was a question about Mother, and oh boy, is that a convoluted topic. Strap in for an abbreviated recap as I've been able to put together. The very first Mother larva and adult imago form appeared in Mother in 1961 and then died in Mother vs. Godzilla in 1964. At the end of this film, two larvae hatch off. One on the camera, one off-camera dies. The remaining one is seen in Ghidra, the three-headed monster, in 1964. That larva grows in the imago form and then in the events represented by Ibrahim Horror of the Deep in 1966. By then, uh, by the time of Destroy All Monsters in 1968, this Mothra had also passed and new larva Mothra were present in the film. This closes out the Showa era of Mothras and onto the Heisei era. This Mothra first appears in Godzilla vs. Mothra in 1992, not to be confused with the 1964 film of a similar name. This is both larval and imago forms, and the more interesting in the Bathra, uh, and more interesting features Bathra, a shortened form of Battle Mothra, but also referred to as Black Mothra. Battle Mothra. Batra does not survive the film. Mothra does, but this leads into space intercept and destroys the Earth, and is destroyed by an Earth-killing asteroid. This is also set up by the famous hypothesis in Godzilla vs. Space, Godzilla 1994, where we briefly see this Mothra again. Go on. While still heading out into space, it sheds a trail of quote fairy mothers unquote. Some of these travel back to Earth, and with twin fairies, Shoba Inji, as they're called, we're mm-hmm. able to give advice before returning back to space. Also, in the Heisei era, there was the Rebirth of Mothra trilogy in 1996, 1997, and 1998. And this starts with an adult Amagra Mothra that gets into a battle with the, oh my god, Desigadora, a shortened form yeah. of Death Ghidorah, which ultimately causes her death. But not before hatching out the only explicitly <laughs> known male Mothra, that is Mothra Leo. 
This Mothra goes into the Imago form to avenge his mother by the end of the first film. In the second yep. film, Mothra Leo evolves further into Rainbow Mothra and then later to Aqua Mothra while fighting Rainbow the Rainbow Mothra! Dun, 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 dun. In the third film, in the order to combat King Ghidra, we see Rainbow and Aqua Mothra evolve again to the Light Speed Mothra in order to travel back in time to fight a weaker, Cretaceous King Ghidorah. This doesn't go that well, and this Mothra is cocooned by prehistoric, by prehistoric Mothra larva. Back in the, quote, present, unquote, this cocoon finally results in Armor Mothra, who is able to beat King Ghidra. At the end of this film, <laughs> Armor Mothra evolves one last time into the Eternal Mothra and flies off into the sunset. This brings us to the end of the Millennium series. Dang. The moth- this, dang. this is the Mothra that first appears in Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidra, giant monsters all out attack in 2001, first as a larva, then later as an adult Imago. Godzilla kills this Mothra near the end of the film. Though its spirit makes an appearance in the climax of the battle of the film of Godzilla in Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla of 2002, there's stock footage, but it's actually from the 1961 Mothra, but we won't be pedantic about Mothra appearances. Of I, I am stoned. So, <laughs> I have just spent the last two minutes Next trying to sequel. figure out text, uh, lyrics to the theme song of uh, Mothra Rainbow is into the tune of Reading Rainbow. Um, oh my god! <laughs> Butterfly in the sky. Okay, we're Mothra almost the giant. We're almost done here. Next, in, look. <laughs> next in the sequel, Godzilla Tokyo SOS in 2003, we see a new adult Imago Madra. This is the one that is quickly defeated by Godzilla. Before her death, another Madra egg hatches again, yielding twin larvae. The dying adult Madra sacrifices herself to save them. The grieving larva trap Godzilla and survive the film. By the time of Godzilla Final Wars in 2004, there is once more only one Mothra Imago. This Mothra assists in the flight of Monster X and Gigan miraculously surviving the film. This leaves mm-hmm. only the most recent appearance in Godzilla King of Monsters 2019, where we have only seen it this, where we have seen only the Imago form of this Mothra, of this Mothra. And he follows up and says, "Woo! I think that's it." And in full disclosure, I had to look up the ordering and years on much of this. I'm terrible at dates. I oh, can't so blame did. you. Jeez, oh. Frank. <laughs> Thank you Thank for you that. Thank you very much, Frank. That is oh, the most exhaustive uh, critique and uh, correction, I guess. Yeah, so I think I think we can safely say that uh, Mothra's lore is fucked. Uh, the, the moment I realized that Godzilla vs. Mother and Mother versus Godzilla were two different films, mm-hmm. I was like, uh... Like, wow. Well, it's like, like there was Street Fighter vs. Tekken and Tekken vs. Street Fighter. Those were two yeah, yeah. exactly. And there was yeah. one other comment on the last podcast that I wanted to pass along. That, okay. And that was from me to Quandary that I had no idea that Spanish Flea had lyrics. What? <laughs> what? Spanish Flea has lyrics? Are you talking about the, the ending that I added on from The Simpsons? Yes, he's I, actually I, I, singing. There are legit lyrics to the song. I didn't wait, know really? that. He's hmm. singing. Are those the legit, legit lyrics? lyrics? I thought that was just something Dan Castellaneta made up on the fly. No. Good stuff. <laughs> huh. Good stuff. All right, let's get out of this and go on to Artist Spotlight, really? finally. Artist Spotlight. Artist Spotlight. Beep, 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 beep. All right, Benny, since you just talked for 30 minutes, uh, why don't you continue <laughs> by uh, t- telling us what your spotlight is? Well, I figured with mythology and us talking about extremes and like Atlas being able to carry whole planets, I would go for the biggest of the big. I'm going to mm-hmm. highlight Cirion, C-I-R-A-E-O-N, which can okay. be found at Fur Affinity when it's up 
uh, under the same name. Uh, This person tends to draw draconic characters of very big, very hyper, uh, and often does uh, Herm characters as well. But it's just like the absolute outer limit of supersize art that I think still kind of works. So like Uh, exploding out of the observable universe and all that jazz? Uh, there, there, uh, I wish FA could be up so you could look through right now. There is galactic level stuff. A lot of it okay. happens at world level stuff, but the proportions and the size, they're just amazingly big. Okay. Uh, and awesome. so it is, it is not safe for work. Uh, mm. but, uh, Syrian is a wonderful, warning, warning, Don't show your parents. wonderful person, <laughs> wonderful artist. Uh, you'll catch them stream occasionally when they're doing their work. I think on Picardo, uh, but mm-hmm. I can't tell right now cause the FA side is down. Yeah, Ricardo's uh, awesome. But yeah, just great stuff. And so that, like is, that is my artist spotlight. All and right, Kinson, who is your artist spotlight? So my artist spotlight is someone that we probably all know and well and love, uh, but I don't think he's been shouted out before. He deserves a lot of love, and he is the big burb known as Corvidius. Uh, if you don't know who Corvidius is, it's um, www.furfinity.net forward slash user forward slash uh c-o-r-v-i-d-i-u-s i think it's down right now so i'm sorry if the spelling's atrocious but he <laughs> he does um source filmmaker animations and he's actually just recently upgraded to unreal engine 4 and uh his work with models lighting frame uh, uh his his posing and animations in general are fantastic i i think so. i've seen this work yeah yeah, if you haven't uh, seen his stuff, highly recommended. Uh, he is an absolutely sweet gentleman of a bird boy, and he uh, needs more love. Um, also, he has a Patreon, so if you want to support him on there to help his works become even greater, you can certainly do so. And that is uh, Corvidius. So. All right. And then so, my... Mr. Panda Paws? Yes, yes, that's me. My spotlight is going to go to... Aries, A-E-R-Y-S. Yes. I said the bat. Yes. On Twitter, it's at AriesBat, so A-E-R-Y-S-B-A-T. For Affinity, it's just for Affinity.net slash user slash Aries, A-E-R-Y-S. And most of their work uh, that I am familiar with is kind of their, I'm familiar with their character from before. I think most of the stuff that I'd seen from their character way back was drawn by other artists, but uh, they are proficient with computer sculpting and animation, CG kind of looking... Uh, going to be impressed. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that had audio in it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, yeah. actually... Yeah, that's actually a video from his lip sync test. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's some of that on the Twitter account, and I'm guessing more on FA. I haven't looked at his FA page in a while, so I honestly don't know if what's only on we his had FA, FA page. If only there was a way that we could access it right now. Oh, um, no! But I think their character's really cool, and their artwork on their, the CG side, at least the recent stuff that's on Twitter, is uh, pretty damn good. So, yes. especially the perspective shot on their recent uh, post from 63019. Um, mm-hmm. That's right from under their policy. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah. So, good. Good. I would recommend checking that out, and that would make the end of the Artist Spotlight, which means it's the end of the show. No! It's we'll the see. end of the show. As we know it, and I feel fine. Yes, I uh, feel fine. I feel <laughs> All right, so thank you all for sticking with us throughout this uh, topic, and hopefully we didn't go off on too many tangents for you. 
Right. Love you guys tremendously. Uh, I uh, will see you all next week. Again, if you wanted to write us in with suggestions for the uh, you know talking about video games or the mythology corrections or anything else like that, mm-hmm. or if you wanted to give us some reasons or just vote for the macro madness, our email address is sizematterspodcast yes. at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at sizematterscast. We want to thank uh, Fox and Foxes and Peppers, Fox and Foxy Peppers, Peppers. Fox and more. Uh, for letting us use their the song bigger for the theme again, mm-hmm. uh, so they continue to let us do that and hadn't told us not to yet. So <laughs> yes, that's uh, fair. That's fair. Want to want to give us a, give a shout out to them. Check them out on their SoundCloud or mm-hmm. uh, Apple Music or Spotify. It's or fire. Any of those. Yes, uh, <laughs> and we will see you all next time, Kenson. Good night, everyone, and big pause. Benny. Good night, everybody. Bye. 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 A shout out from the mountain tops. A star is born. It's a time for pulling out the stops. A star is born. Honey, hit it with a